Listener Production. Brooke Boney and Linda Mariano's Dream Club. Hi, I'm Linda Mariano. And I'm Brooke Boney. And this is The Dream Club. Each week, we break down the most important moments in pop culture. And this week, there is so much to unpack in the Meghan Markle and Queen of the World interview. Yeah, I'm talking about Oprah. There was just moment after moment after moment. And we've got it all for you. Edge of my seat. Speaking of being on the edge of my seat, WandaVision, this bonkers TV show that everybody is talking about. The finale has come out. We're going to try and unpack and get into that. And a big theme of that was grief. And I know you read a wonderful book, Darkness is Golden, recently by the wonderful Mary Huang. And I cannot wait to talk to you all about that. Let's get into it. Dream Club. So overnight, the one of the biggest interviews I reckon in the last couple of decades went to air. Oprah sat down with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry to talk about their experience inside the royal family and why they wanted to leave. I don't know how they could expect that after all of this time, we would still just be silent if there is an active role that the firm is playing in perpetuating falsehoods about us. It was difficult viewing at some points. There were big accusations around mental health and how the royal family dealt with that. Even bigger accusations about race-related issues, the colour of their baby's skin. I have to say that some of it, I was like, oh, is that it? I agree. I was waiting for a deeper tell-all. It felt like I loved watching and taking in everything that Meghan was saying and then when Harry joined her later, but it felt like they were still under the constraints of we can give you a little bit of the iceberg that this is, just the, the tip of what's going on, but what we're saying is still very controlled. So we can say that there was a member in the institution that commented on (laughs) what colour of skin Archie was going to have when he was born, but we can't tell you who that is. So it was like these little tidbits where you go, where Oprah sat there and went, what? Like, what what do you mean? And, And I actually liked how much Oprah really dug her heels in, in terms of specifying what happened with you and Kate. Was there something true to the story where you were made out to be this horrible person in the royal family that was firing people and and this and that. And it gave a chance for Meghan to, I guess, draw a line in the sand, clear the air, but it was uncomfortable. The part, obviously, that's gained the most traction and there has been the most backlash against was someone saying, how dark do you reckon this baby is going to be when it comes out? And, you know, then there's all of the backlash, all of these people saying, well, who said it? Is it true? Oh, I don't believe that this could have happened. And I just find that sort of unbelievable. If you went back and had a look at some of the muy picante stuff that (laughs) Prince Philip has said over the last hundred years, uh, I think you would find that these sorts of attitudes 
are not really surprising. He said some pretty awful things about Aboriginal people. He said some pretty awful things about Pakistani people. He said some pretty awful things about lots and lots of members of different races and cultural groups and ethnicities. And so, you know, having someone question just how dark this new little prince is going to be is actually not that surprising to me. And I I think that the way that they've reacted to Megan mostly coming out and and speaking her truth, which I sort of hate, her Mm. truth. Yeah, Um, my most authentic self. This is my truth. I think the way they've reacted to that sort of just plays into broader race relations. And I hate to say it, uh, but you keep making me say it. So, um, you know, there's this really overused and so tired stereotype, this trope of the angry black woman, you know, this idea that um, big, bad, terrifying, powerful Meghan Markle could be bullying the poor little, you know, victim <laughs> the royal family. Like, give me a break. This is one of the most powerful institutions, one of the most powerful families in the world of all time. And and what, they're, they're scared or that Megan is coming along and treating them poorly? Like, wake up to yourselves. You know what I find actually really angering about that whole thing is that in the backlash of this interview, people are so fixated on name the perpetrator. If it's true, tell us who it was that said that or, you know, what a, like really honing in on these kind of sordid, clickbaity details to find villains and find heroes. Mm. But at the heart of it, what she's sitting there and saying to Oprah is, I didn't want to be alive anymore. I was suffering a mental health breakdown. Read between the lines of that. Someone was in real pain and her talking about the perception of what she was versus the reality of how she was living. She left the house twice in four months, she said. You, when you marry into that family, you you gain so much, but you give up your passport. You never see it again. You can't You're see your friends. You can't go for lunch. You don't see what your visa situation is. It's it's a real power play and her sa- like going on international television and saying I was really suffering and I had to confide in my husband and collectively as a family we made a decision that would hopefully help us have a more sustainable future. Like have empathy for that. I think really broadly what it says to me is that it is so difficult even when you were at the point, you know, your last tether, you're at the point where you simply cannot take any more communicating pain to mass audiences when you are a woman of colour is so difficult, even when there are decades of recorded evidence, centuries of evidence of this family in particular doing things to people of colour that they still don't believe her. Yeah, and people saying, why are they doing this interview? They must be getting paid. She's obviously doing this for publicity. She's not. She didn't. She doesn't ham up her performance. She doesn't sit and cry and rub her baby bump and you know. I'm rubbing my baby bump a, right now. Yeah, I'm rubbing my <laughs> double coffee oat milk bump right now. I uh, don't have a baby bump, but oh yeah, not like God, a, the rumors will come out. <laughs> pregnancy, but just all, all of all of that. Like she's not doing this for the the publicity, and she's been someone that has advocated for women's rights for so many years, and mm. talking about how. She was there and 
she lost her voice. There's that part where she talks about the Little Mermaid about <laughs> how she married the prince. So it was so lame, wasn't that it? Was so it contrived. was so contrived. But, you know, she lost her voice and women should have a voice. So mm-hmm. yeah. I'm team Megan. Not I that actually, we need to take teams. I actually don't want to take teams, but if there is a team, I want to be on the one where you get to have a mermaid tail. <laughs> oh, my God. I used to wrap up my doll's uh, legs in handkerchiefs with rubber bands as a kid because I was so obsessed with them all being mermaids. Oh, that is so cute. Yeah, my my mum wouldn't let me go and buy heaps of new dolls. Until you unwrapped the old ones. Until I used all the other <laughs> ones. So I wasn't allowed to buy all of the mermaid dolls. Oh, me, Lindy. me learning value. And look, now you've found your voice. You've found your prince. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... Linda's mum, cop that. You can have it all. You can have it all. And you can have rescue chickens. Speaking of powerful women, let's talk about the Marvel-sized television series WandaVision, (laughs) which we've talked a little bit about and I kept saying no spoiler alerts, Brooke, but now that I've finished it, a spoiler alert to you. There will be spoilers (laughs) in this chat. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, absolutely huge big spoiler alert to you. Go uh, watch it right now because you know what? It's excellent. It's so good. When I first saw it, I remember calling Linda and being like, I'm (laughs) so excited to watch this show. Everyone's talking about it. I simply must watch. Wanda and Vision. Aren't we a fine pair? No. Why would you think that? Because you are. We are an unusual couple, you know. Oh, I don't think that was ever in question. It looked like an excellent quality show, but it started and I was like, Linda, it's in black and white. I don't have time for this. <laughs> like, what is this? You're like, Roma? I don't have time for this slow burn. What's oh, going on? gosh, come on, let's speed it up a bit. And I didn't really get what the concept was, which is difficult to stick with because it takes a few episodes until you realise what she's doing. So it is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it is one of these brilliant spin-offs that they've done. And I did start watching it with my mum every weekend. And so we'd be so excited for me to go home and we'd sit there and be like, oh, there's a new one division. And then <laughs> it does sound like long division, doesn't it? It does. It does. I, every time I heard it, I was like, oh, I've got to go home and do my one division homework. <laughs> I always hated long division at school. Anyway, you watched it with your mum. I watched it with my mum, uh, one Leonie Boney, and I was like, why is she doing this? And then mum turned to me and she said, because she's really sad. And in that moment, I feel like I'd been, you know, slapped across the face or something because you realise that this whole thing is out of grief and it's done so well. You, can, you can't say anything bad about, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how they've pulled together this show because it is of excellent quality, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, I agree. I started watching it and straight away my mind does this thing where I buzz in reference points so that my brain can make sense of it. So I was going, oh, it's a quarter Truman show, it's a little bit Pleasantville, it's a bit Get Out, it's a little bit Sorry to Bother You and it's all these things wrapped up in a Marvel Universe and it's always two-pronged, right? It's the way that they're executing it, like how they decide to tell the story. And the way they tell the story is, you know what, I don't even want to spoil it too much for you, but it is a homage to 
or is it homage or homage? Homage. I homage. Would say. Is it fondue? No, it's, it's a fondue. It's fondue. <laughs> it's you know, it's a collage of. Oh no, it's kalagi. <laughs> it's kalagi. It's a montage. It's a montage of uh, TV sitcoms from over the years. So the way that they tell it is incredible viewing, and it's so tightly written and so perfectly executed. The first episode was done in front of a live studio audience. But then on the flip side, even if you ignore the way that they told the story, the story itself, like you said, it is about grief and compassion and acceptance. And that is such a universal theme told at the heart of it by a woman. And every step of the way when she has her epiphanies, it's other women propping her up. And Mm. it is innovating a genre that has existed for so many years and sometimes it feels like there's only so much you can do with it. Mm, or that it's very male-centric, like it puts yes. men and their strength exactly. and their experiences in the centre of it. I loved that as an audience, as a viewer, you have to rise to it. It doesn't explain things to you. It doesn't yep. spell it out. It doesn't treat you like an idiot. In fact, it assumes so much of you. It wants you to meet it there. And that is very, very rare for um, for mu- movies, television, music, any sort of consumable content that they will take a leap of faith like that and expect audiences to stay with it and like come with you on the journey. I think that that is just such a wonderful credit to the people who are involved yeah. in it. And they're all women, aren't they? They're all women. And the woman that created it and wrote it with a team of other women is Jack Schaefer and she was talking about the script writing and how meticulously they went through it and poured over the lines. I know that there's a line in the script that is kind of trending at the moment that everybody is loving. Yeah, so compare this, this line that Vision says to Wanda when they're sitting on a bed together. They barely know each other. But what is grief if not love? persevering. I think that is some of the most wonderful writing for television that I've ever seen in my life. There's a lot to be said for, for you know, bringing those sorts of experiences and that sort of poetry to life. And then compare that to no, the don't second go there. I most hate this show. popular TV show uh, of all time. So WandaVision has overtaken it, you'll be glad to know. Um, thank goodness. Thank goodness everyone has taste. Bridgerton. So this is one of the most popular lines from Bridgerton, which I loved, by the way. I'm not going to hear a bad word about the Duke because he is a honey. Do you not get angry? I'm not angry. You look I... angry and bothered. Look at you, you're downright flush. Yes, that is what happens. When one is angry. When one burns for someone who does not feel the same. I burn for you. I can't tell you how much I cringed during that and during all of Bridgerton that I couldn't even finish. But so, yes, watching something like WandaVision and knowing interviews with Jack Schaefer where she talks about how they sat in a room and her assistant helped her come up with that line, the grief persevering love line, and just going, yes, bring it on. How do you feel about crushes on these characters? Because not only did I kind of fall in love with Agnes... I love her so much. I love Wanda. I love her I love huge mouth. I love it's it. So it's big. So, it's like her her smile hits it all the way to her ears. Yeah, like Julia Roberts. It's amazing. Do you know what it's called? 
Huge mouth syndrome. HMS. Catherine Kahn. I, I, They've we, got HMS. That's what they have. Seriously. I've got LMS, little mouth syndrome. I got, Hello. Hello. I'm talking to you through a very small Wonder. pout in my mouth. Wonder what is grief but love persevering. Oh, my gosh. Vision. I also, you know, I thought it was funny when I watched BoJack Horseman and I got this huge crush on a cartoon horse. <laughs> horse is <laughs> hot. Like played in, by Will Arnett. But then watching Vision, I was like, yes. You're horny for a robot. I'm horny. I'm horny for BoJack. <laughs> I'm horny for a robot. Well, that's sort of like when you get, um, like, see those pictures of those really jacked kangaroos and you're like, it's a pretty hot kangaroo. Like, objectively, <laughs> that kangaroo is hot. Brooke Boney and Linda Mariano. The Dream Club. Brooke Boney. Linda Mariano. Bringing you The Dream Club. Mary Huang, we have talked about her. You have done one of her sessions. So Mary Huang is the founder and head psychologist at a fantastically progressive psychology practice that's based in Sydney called The Indigo Project. She released her book about a month or so ago called Darkness is Golden, which deals with how to make mental health accessible, how to make it almost like a muscle that you can tap into and that you can get stronger and that ties into WandaVision, which is this idea that you don't want to be suppressing those feelings. We need to acknowledge what is going on in our lives. We need to deal with these things. And something that happened throughout the writing of Mary's book was that her father passed away. She had to deal with that trauma, become overwhelmed by it. She talks quite openly about the breakdown that she had with the deadlines of the book the deadlines of her psychology practice, dealing with patients and then dealing with her own grief. But through that, and it's a story we've heard before, and it's so powerful when you hear her talking about it in first person, it's post-traumatic growth. I love that phrase so much. Isn't it so beautiful? Because we get so good at bottling up what's going on about compartmentalising it, shoving grief or shame or sadness into the corner and just getting on with our lives. And especially I think as women we do it a lot too because mm. we want to have it all and we don't want to be the woman in the office that cries at it. We, you don't want to be that person. But Mary shines a light on it in a way that's so personable and so accessible. And I know for myself I've been so great at that for years. But in this last year I've s- stepped up and I've seen a therapist for the first time in my life and I love that she's normalising that. Mm. But that's what her book deals with. Mary is incredible. I met her a few years ago at a thing in Canberra and then I went and did her um, like sound meditation where you just lay on the ground and they pump a whole album out of these huge speakers and the floors vibrate and you're laying there and you can feel the vibrations coming through the yoga mat and everyone's laying in this room with their eyes closed and she comes around and puts little dots of oil on your forehead and so it's this full sensory experience that ranges from really happy songs to really dark and depressing and anxiety-inducing songs. And I love that about her approach is that she's not afraid to face the dark moments. I think that this is like the antidote to that sort of toxic wellness that we've been seeing a lot of over the last few years. Toxic positivity. Toxic positivity where people are like, don't dabble in the darkness, stay away from that darkness. You've got to run away from it at all costs. And I think that there's a lot of merit in, you know, trying to persevere through difficult times. 
but I think it's so important with for us and um, like for us as a whole to not shy away from really difficult moments and to sit with grief and to sit with darkness. I just very recently, like in the last couple of months, have said to you like, oh, I'm going to face this grief head on because my nan got really sick. And, you know, normally my approach would be to, you know, exercise more and do more yoga and, and um, you know, do all of the things that you stimulate happiness and, and positivity. And problem solve through and it. problem solve my way through it because I'm a goddamn problem solver. That's my approach. But this time I just wanted to sit with the grief and to really face it and to feel it. And it was awful and uncomfortable and just so difficult. But it was the first time that I've ever done it. I felt stronger. Same. I felt that way last year. You know that I had a like a really hard time this time a year ago when I came back to Sydney, realised that I wasn't going to be able to see my partner overseas for God knows how long, still going, and having to sit in that dark feeling and not try and fill your days constantly. But the thing that Mary shows in this book through real lived experience is she gives you practical ways to be present. And that is something that we lose so much of. You sit there and you think that you're sitting alone and that you're being quiet, but you're sitting and scrolling on your phone and you're like getting this kind of digital brain drain and all of these things that are talked about that that take a real toll on your mental health. Absolutely. They and do. in churning through those days. And what I love about her book, and I, I really encourage you to read it if, you know, you just want to take some of those practical tips into your everyday, she shows you small ways to figure out what your needs are, what your actual wants are, how you can achieve those throughout the big monuments of external achievement, but how you can achieve that within yourself. So I loved it. Lindy, you and I have like a really similar way of experiencing this stuff. It's why I guess we're so close. You know, when things get tough, sometimes we sort of push them down and we don't experience the grief properly but it always has a way of coming out. Oh, my God, we both had the same thing. The physical like manifestation. A big, like, bung eye because your face is swollen up from hives, which we've both had. Yeah. You know, really bad period pain or really bad tummy pain because we keep not dealing with grief. And so this has been a big shift for both of us. I remember when I first got the news about my nan and it was a, a hellish week. And by the time I got to the Friday, I was supposed to go out for dinner with a bunch of friends. And it was this really lovely thing that I'd planned with four or five friends. And we were going to go out and get cocktails and get dressed up and go to a really nice dinner because we hadn't yes. been out for ages. And then we got there and I had the worst period pain I'd ever had in my entire life. And it was because I wasn't dealing with this grief properly. I thought I could just soldier on and pretend that nothing was going on. And you've had similar things happen to you. Totally. You know that in this last year when I've had a really hard time, Brookie, that I will break out in my face with this full rash that I've only ever had really badly one time about five years ago when I was going through a really bad breakup. And it was like clockwork. Mm -hmm. As soon as I start to avoid stuff and just push it to the side, it just manifest. So learning how to deal with that is just essential. It is a rite of passage. And also remember that if you are struggling and you need someone to talk to that you can call Lifeline Australia. Help is available there 24 hours and the number is 13 11 14. Dream Club. It's time to dream. Start trying aluminium free deodorant. You have to persevere through the stinky stains. 
My dream for this week is something relatively simple, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the consequence is always high. And that is, I need to nail my coffee cutoff. What I know this mean? is like what? such a tiny, dumb, maybe first world problem, but it really has been affecting my sleep. No, I, I think that people in Myanmar are definitely thinking about this. <laughs> no, tell me. Okay, it does affect your sleep. It does. I know it does. It does. And I need someone, maybe you, to stop me from getting a coffee post. I'm thinking 2 p.m. Like, what? what's the right thing here? Okay, so I wake up at, like, 4. You wake up at, like, and... 2 a.m. <laughs> and I have my last coffee, like, at work. If I'm feeling crazy, then I might get another one later in the day, like, what 11. Mm-hmm. But that's it. No later than that. You so... don't go past midday? But what time are you going to sleep? Mm, like nine. I think there might have to be a rule, right? Like you can't have coffee more than 10 hours. The coffee cutoff is going to be... Midday. 2 p.m. 2 p.m. <laughs> no. 2 p.m. is so late, Lindy. I know, it's no, late. it's still... I think it's got to be midday. It's got to be midday? It's got to be midday. If I see you with a coffee in your hand after midday, you better believe I'm slapping that damn bitch right out of there. <laughs> All right, well, my Dream Club update this week is a little bit of a different tone. I saw um, the beautiful, lovely, like, just incredible Grace Tame talk last week. Mm. So she's Australian of the Year. She's made such a huge difference in this country already. She's only been Australian of the Year for, what, like two months. She's the one who triggered um, Brittany Higgins into coming forward and speaking about um, what allegedly happened to her. Um, You know, that then triggered all of the other stuff, all of those accusations against Christian Porter. And she was so forthright and so strong in how she spoke, which is an incredible thing and not all of us are that brave. But one thing that she said, like, really, really stuck out at me, and that was that, like, abuse survivors uh, often carry a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and that she wants to transfer that shame and guilt to perpetrators. She said the way that you do that is by sharing your experiences and by, you know, being brave and being bold. And so I think it's important to call stuff out. I was so moved by the whole thing that I felt like I really just had to share it. I love that. I've even heard stuff over the last couple of years of girls that are too afraid to come forward with experiences that they've had in the industries that we work in Mm. that are afraid because they're going to lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're afraid because of the people that are the perpetrators Mm -hmm. and the repercussions on them as -hmm. the victims. Mm -hmm. And it's horrible. It's horrible that that has to go through your mind whether to choose whether something's right or wrong to step up for. It's it's heavy stuff and if you are experiencing any of that sort of really uncomfortable stuff and you want to talk to someone about it, you can call 1-800-RESPECT. Uh, a lot of content warnings in um, the show this week, but that's because there's a lot of really heavy stuff um, happening in the world. 
But I want to finish on a little bit of a lighter note because, um, you know, I want to send you off into the world with a bit of a pep in your step. We love a pep in our step. I cannot believe how um, how many people have come up to me and said that they've downloaded the Chenny app since we spoke about it. Oh. And so I want you to send me and Linda what your predictions have been. And if you don't remember what the backstory of Chenny is, it is that I downloaded the Chenny. No, don't tell them. Go back and listen to the first episode. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. But it's astrology. Get amongst it. Get it. Hit us up on Instagram at the Dream Club Podcast. Send us a message. Better yet, send us a little voicemail. Oh, yes, please. I tell love us. a voice message. Because you know what? It, Jenny is always right. And I know she's been right for you. So tell me what she said. We will be back next Wednesday. And please tag us in a pic. Where are you listening? What are you doing? Are you in my mum's car? Are you out at work? What's going on? And tell your friends about us as well. Tell them how cool we are. Maybe tell them like that we're pretty. Tell them that Linda has B.O. out of one one (laughs) armpit. It's always the right armpit. In fact, if you also have B.O. that is prominent on one side, please let me know. I don't want to be alone anymore. I don't want to be alone anymore. Okay, love you. Bye. Nimba. 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 Nimba.